1: Hello and welcome to The Arsenal Way, back again with you guys for another show and another episode of our Arsenal Analysis series, the show in which we tactically break down each of Arsenal's league performances over the weekend with the help of a fantastic guest. I am today joined by David Hughes.
0: How you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm very good. Thank you, Tom. I'm really looking forward to being on the show, actually, because we don't we don't do very much... Uh, Arsenal content in terms of shows mm. like this, we we write about them a lot. Uh, but this is something something new, and looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, why don't you get the listeners just a little bit of background into your role and and how it came about?
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was brought in exclusively to do football scouting and analysis writing. Uh, there was me and one other, Josh, who was on the show recently, I believe. Um, yeah. So hopefully, people listening and watching will. We'll already know about him. Uh, we were brought in about three years ago, uh, and yet our focus is just looking at underlying numbers, uh, looking at prospects. You know, transfer targets, um, dissecting games with more of an analytical view, tactical view. Um, you know, just bringing something a little bit different to the mainstream media. Um, and obviously, the same's grow and branching out. And while we're thankfully doing shows like this. Absolutely.
1: Um, no, it's great to have you on, David, and I'm sure that we're going to get into lots of the the tactical stuff about the game. But just kind of speaking generally, I'm watching it back and seeing the difference between how Arsenal was so good against Spurs a week prior and then in the game against Brighton, it was a lot different. Uh, and I, to be honest, for myself, I put a lot of credit towards Graham Potter and actually how their system pressed Arsenal exceptionally well. But were you surprised at how different Arsenal's kind of performance was against both teams?
0: I, um, it's tough I, I I was you know from an Arsenal point of view you were hoping that they would build on what was a not only a really good result but a really good performance in the North London Derby that being said um, right now a a really top side you know I think a lot of people who maybe don't pay that much attention to stuff beyond their own team uh, or maybe just look flat at the league table see them as this kind of bottom half team um, a manager who has a lot of hype but maybe don't understand why but you know they were a really good side last year as well, um, and things just weren't always falling into place for them, um, or they didn't maybe have the, the the best players in both boxes, which is which was quite decisive. But as you've seen from the start, they've made this season. You know they're a really good team. Fans who who watched the game uh, between the two on Saturday against Arsenal, where they saw why so many people rape Brighton. Really difficult opposition. Um, I'm inclined to think maybe Arteta adjusted the tactics a little bit in this one. Obviously, Brighton liked to dominate the ball, uh, really good in possession. I think he was maybe eyeing up trying to play more of a counter attacking game. Um, You know, if you look at the possession share, if you think that Arsenal are quite a a, a team who prefer to have the line share the ball, they only had Mm. 43%, didn't they, on the day possession. And you could look and think, well, that was the same as what they had against Tottenham. But what you've got to remember is. You know, it, that wasn't the case at half-time. Uh, it's, it's the second half, Tottenham, have, Arsenal basically gave them the ball and said, you know, mm. we're 3-0 come and do what you can. And, and that's what's kind of, that game state's impact of the possession there. But this game's 0-0. Um, Brighton have dominated the ball. And as I said, I think Arsenal are probably looking to, 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 to hurt them on the counter, but didn't mm. necessarily play out like that, did it?
1: No, and I mean, we'll, we'll return to talk about the game more generally towards the end as well, but kind of going into some of the more specific stuff uh, and looking at some of the statistics as well of Arsenal's game, seven shots in, in the match, only 29% accuracy. We'll talk a little bit about why it was so low, and there's a big reason <laughs> as to why uh, later on in the show, but uh, 80% passing accuracy. But one of the interesting things about where the passes came through, uh, from against Spurs, the, the highest frequency of passes for Arsenal or from a lateral direction, the way in which they spread the play really, really strongly and stretched Spurs really well. But the difference was, I suppose, when you come up against a side like Brighton that play a back three, it's much trickier to stretch a defence with a back three because you've got effectively a back five uh, in those games. And I think when you look at kind of the passing shape and the links between players... Uh, in the Tottenham game on the left and the Brighton game on the right there, you can clearly see the strength of those passes going across the pitch spreads Arsenal's back four, but actually against Brighton, they look much narrower and the passes are much weaker because there's less going on as well. It wasn't as strong, those passing links between players. Do you think that's that's right in saying that the the Brighton system really kind of suffocated Arsenal's ability to to play how they wanted to?
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, I think... Naturally, uh, spaces tend to appear a lot less when you're coming up against a back three. Uh, it's diff- it's more difficult to exploit them. Uh, I think we definitely saw that against uh, against Brighton this weekend. I think if you look at the struggles teams have against uh, Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, other side who deploy a back three system, uh, you see a lot of the same issues because it it gives a really good spread across the field, um, and I thought the, they imp- implemented the game plan really well. And these visual visualisations really sum up the the issues Arsenal had in terms of progressing the ball um, and working it between themselves. It was a it was a tough afternoon in that sense.
1: It was. I mean, you're just looking at some of the average positions there. You've got Xhaka and, and Partey against Spurs very much up against that halfway line. And against Brighton, they're they're much further back. Uh, and they were pinned into their own half for a lot of the game. And Arsenal tried to play out from the back as they've had a lot of success with players that they brought in like Ben White and Tommy Asu. But those two weren't able to be anywhere near as, as impactful on, on Brighton as they were against Spurs. And one of the big things and the big compliments that Arsenal had against Spurs was the way in which they were able to balance their attack the the, the the number of attacks across the the midfield and through into the forward line was pretty even 6 5 7 from left to right but against brighton whilst they maintained that high frequency of seven attacks on the right hand side arsenal's left suffered and I think, from my from my point of view, a lot of that was down to Laconga coming in for Granite Xhaka, and that losing that influence of that left-footed, confident, progressive passing that Xhaka can bring to that left-hand side, whereas Lekonga, twenty-one-year-old, finding his feet in the Premier League, right-footed, very different style of midfielder to Xhaka as well. Do you? Th- and it's something we'll discuss in more detail when we talk about Lekonga in a bit. But do you think that? this game would have either, one of two routes, encouraged Arteta to maybe find a different solution to Xhaka's absence, or do you think it would have gone, you know what, it's his first game, Lukonga, after replacing Xhaka, I'm going to put more emphasis on trying to improve him through these games?
0: Yeah, look, it's one of them, isn't it? We've got the benefit of hindsight now, and we mm. say so it's probably an experiment. That. I mean, we're not saying he had a really poor game, did we? No. But- I think, uh, and I don't know whether we'll come on to it now or in a little bit, but in in, in terms of what Jack does, I think he's really underrated. Um, you know, last season he was fourth across all midfielders in the Premier League for high having the highest number of passes in, into the final third. He was in the top ten for progressive passes too. You know, he, he's proven to be one of Arsenal's best players in terms of progressing them through the lines and getting them, you know, from the defensive third from the start of the midfield third. Through mm. up to near the attacking third and went when he's not inside he's he's a miss and that's that's something I remember thinking when it looked like he was on his way out. Uh, I don't know if there was other factors in that. Tom, you'll probably be able to clarify that better. But in the summer mm. it looked like he was moving on to Roma, didn't yeah, it? And uh, it did, yeah. I thought there'd be quite a void there left. And okay, the Congress come in. Um, he's only twenty one. I do expect him to kind of evolve into into a player of that ilk. I think he's got a really high ceiling. Uh, I saw that a lot of Andalit last year. Um, so yeah, but it was just a little bit of a this was probably I know he's I mean I've got fixtures up now. We looked who he's played against. He had a 90 against AFC Wimbledon, didn't he? Um yeah. Half an hour against Burnley, an hour against Norwich. I mean, Brighton were by by far the toughest test he's had so far. Um, and for that reason, he's probably just been a little bit more cute in his play, you know, taking taking fewer chances, just trying to get through the game. Um yeah, I think you're going to come on to it shortly. But, you know, just being a little bit safer in his past choices, maybe with less of those kind of uh, penetrating balls, you know, that mm. take you further up the field.
1: Yeah. And let's go on to that um, and look at La in a little bit more detail. I mean, he had a good passing accuracy of, of 93%, 41 passed overall. But when you see that only 14 of those went forwards, um, and three went backwards. Of course, you kind of get you're getting a bigger picture of, of why that was the case. But defensively, he he coached with things well, and that's why I think it was important, David, that you pointed out that we're not saying that Lacan had a bad game. Like he wasn't, he was far from one of the worst players on the pitch for Arsenal. And actually, his involvement defensively was really strong, and he he outshone someone like Thomas Partey across most of the game, who had a really off off game. Ten interceptions is really solid from a player in his position as well. And when you look at kind of his passing, that's that's where the influence on how how Arsenal progressed the ball, kind of let his side of his game down. You look at the game Jack had against Spurs. You've got eight passes in there, moving the ball into the into the opposition's half and pushing it further up into the final def- uh, attack in third for Arsenal. But against Brighton, Lukonga, the majority of passes you can see on that left-hand side happen in Arsenal's own half. And he's not having that same influence on on the attacks. And that meant that Arsenal weren't able to escape. Much of that wasn't necessarily down to the quality of Lukonga's passing, which is, we've, su- we've shown. As you can see there, all those blue passes are accurate passes. Mm. It's just that the way Brighton were able to suffocate Arsenal as well really stops them from playing out um do you think that this is something that Arteta will take into account whether say he could switch things up by going to that 4-3-3 that Arsenal used against Burnley in which it saw Martin Odegaard play alongside Smith-Rowe with Thomas Partey as the number sole sole number six so you've got that left-footed influence in Odegaard mm. or do you think that this is something that you can train into La and he can improve in that progression of the ball?
0: Yeah, I'm inclined to think more the latter. I think definitely for the short term, maybe adjustments would be suitable. And um, maybe we'll talk about Arteta and lack of adjustments later on. But um, yeah, I just I think for now you've got to look at it and think, you know, it's it, it's a big step he, he's made really in terms of quality of opposition. Uh, he's coming to arguably the best league in the world. Uh, he's at one of the biggest clubs in the country. And it's 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 his first yeah, it's our first league starters in the first full ninety. I think it's yeah. in a really, really difficult place. Uh, you know, we've we've just been praising Brighton already. You'd say on the day Arsenal weren't at the best. Um, you know, would he have had a better, better game against maybe Tottenham like the week before when mm-hmm. Arsenal were performing a little bit to what we've a little bit of the better aspects of what we've seen from them. Um I mean, even little things that with Arsenal like know starting positions a lot deeper if you look at ppda which is obviously a a metric used to kind of measure aggressiveness in terms of pressing the ball Uh, it was even what does it stand for sorry i've not even come across that myself i mean yeah yeah so it's a it's it's ppda which is passive passes per defensive action i basically count how many passes a team is allowed to make before the other side look to press to win the ball back Right. Um, so to give you an idea of, you know, an, an example here, um, and it should really marry up with what we watched in both games against Tottenham. Um, Arsenal's average was eleven point zero four. For that, so that means on average they allowed eleven passes roughly before pressing right. to to get the ball back. But against Brighton, it was fifteen point six, which is obviously oh, wow. a drop and shows that they were a lot less aggressive in that sense. Um, so if you think starting a little bit deeper. Uh, when you do win the ball back, you're probably in deeper positions. And then, you know, is Laconga looking up in those situations and not really having the same outlets that Xhaka had the week before? Mm. Um, does that mean now he has to go a little bit safer, a little bit shorter? And then does that impact, you know, his his overall game and what we're talking about now? That So this is all stuff I imagine Arteta's is probably crunching afterwards with the staff and and, and kind of planning ahead um and seeing if they'd maybe adjust things a little bit next time but i think there's so much more to come early days uh solid debuts it just i think you're you're right to point out that point out that maybe with jacob could have been a little bit different And because of that, obviously,
1: they got very frustrated, Arsenal, in their play, and particularly Partey, and to a lesser extent, Lukonga, resorted to getting a bit frustrated and just taking early shots as a long free kick starts off, I think, in the 36th minute there from Partey that sails way over the bar. I think it ended up back at London Colney before Arsenal arrived. And then you've got... You've got, obviously, Partey had the shot from outside the box. You've got another one in the second half. Uh, Lukonga actually takes the first one in the second half. And you're thinking there, right, OK, we've had three long shots now. Let's let's try and calm the play down. But no, just 13 minutes later, Partey smashes one over the bar again. Do you think it's simply as, simply as saying they got frustrated? They were a bit fed up with the fact that Brighton were playing so well and suffocating their, able, their ability to play out from the back? And is this a problem that you think that Arteta needs to quash? Kind of, Is it something that he needs to be addressing? Or do you think it's just one of those things that happen in this game? Because it's not characteristic, I wouldn't say.
0: I have to say, I think it's a little bit of both on this occasion, Tom. So, uh, first and foremost, I think the the screenshots you provided are really good examples. uh, Because just look how many bright bodies are between Arsenal on the ball and the goal. You know, there's so many in there that... Clearly, the they the feel that they haven't they haven't got the although there's one or two times you could think recycle the ball there, recycle mm. it kind of sustain pressure, especially when you you decide with less of the ball. I'd be inclined to be wanting to look to sustain there rather than cheaply giving it back over. But my general point is there's a lot of bright bodies in there. You know, it's a good defensive shape. Um, so you'd say there's frustration in there. Um, I mean, I did, I, I knew we were going to touch on on the um. On the kind of shooting from distance, and what you find is teams who struggle to create chances or good chances regularly tend to have the highest average distance in terms of shots. And um, I've got a, an example here. We have a look now. So the so far this season, um, the teams with the highest, the, like the largest average distance in terms of shots, um, it is Norwich. Southampton, Tottenham, Leeds, Watford, and then Arsenal. Um at the mm. other end of the scale, so the teams who shoot from the shortest average distance, mm. you've got Liverpool, City, Brentford, Chelsea. You know, these are the they, that's the group you kind of want to be in. They're the teams yep. who are clearly creating the better chances. So on the in this game in particular, Arsenal really kind of struggled to create these clear chances, which lead to these pot shots from distance that kind of have a, a low prospect, like success rate in terms of actually converting into a goal. Um so it's it does really just capture the problem that, that Arsenal had on the day against a good side.
1: Looking kind of at the, the best opportunity that Arsenal had in the game fell to Emil Smith-Rowe and it became a topic of much debate amongst Arsenal supporters, people taking matters into their own hands, drawing passing lines <laughs> uh, for Smith-Rowe of where he should have passed. Um, we've got an article coming out this afternoon, which actually I think they have got an article out already, which is breaking down this movement in even more detail, but I didn't want to skip over it. Uh, in each of the examples where... Emile Smithrow takes a touch. He takes four touches in this run, which, if anything, if you are a kid watching at home and you're wondering how these players are so good, it's because they don't take 10 touches before they get to the goal. They take as few touches as possible, and, and this is certainly one for that. Smithrow gets the pass, in I believe it's from Partey. Goes through, he takes that first touch, which is the first opportunity for him to play the ball if he wanted to, mm. but it would require him to hit the pass first time that's coming from behind him across Shane Duffy. Who at this point, is ahead of him and could intercept the ball with with a high amount of possibility here. The second opportunity is on his second touch after he's you know pushed the ball ahead of himself to run onto. Duffy's now closed the gap. A lot more. His vision is also blocked by Duffy, so he's not 100 percent aware of where Saka is at this point. And you can move on to the third ch- chance where he actually tries to do the right thing, where he tries to faint Duffy uh, and tries to cut back. You can see it with his body language in that in that image that's captured there in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen. Duffy doesn't fall for it. He sticks with him. Uh, it's an excellent piece of defending. And then obviously Smith Rowe decides to take that one more push forwards to the right-hand side of the box where. Any cross to Saka is going to be cut out by Duffy here. And so he has to take the shot. Now, it's in my opinion, he's done everything right. I feel like he should go towards the goal. I feel like he should go for the shot. The only issue is the finish. And the issue comes from the fact that in his last and final touch, he just overhits it that ever so slightly too much. So that when he goes to take the shot, he's stretching for that shot. And he can't get his foot around the ball enough. And so because of that, it doesn't go where he wants to, which is clearly in the bottom left-hand corner. Instead, because he can't get full purchase on it, it just goes straight to Robert Sanchez, uh, who makes a simple save and it goes out for a corner. But do you think that the Arsenal fans are probably being a bit harsh in in criticising Smith Smith-Rowe for not squaring
0: it to Saka in this scenario? Uh, just a bit, Tom. Just a bit, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I actually think that there's there's two bits of really good play here. Yeah. I think Contrary to what people, Arsenal fans might initially thought, I think it's it's good attack and play from Smith Rowe. If you think he can from where he carries the ball from, um, I think he's consistently looking for that pass. Realistically, the window doesn't really open, thanks to some fantastic defending by Duffy. Um, you could maybe argue the, the the first shot that you're shown here. Um, that was probably his opportunity because there's more space uh, in behind to play the ball for Saka to run onto. But uh, the ball would have to have enough distance to keep Duffy eliminated, uh, enough mm. of an angle to do so. And then you're also risking the goalkeeper and uh, driving out and potentially sweeping it, clearing it. Um, so it's tough there. I think from the second shot on. Onwards, really, it's it's nearly impossible to do it without it being intercepted. Um I think Duffy intercepts the second one if it's too close to him, or the keeper will pick it up. Uh third one, there's not the angle is on and then he does the right thing. I think he wants the he is trying to get out of his feet to get the pass, but he can't. Mm-hmm. So then he, he feints a, a decent touch away to give himself a yard uh, to get the shot off. Um even the shot, I can't be too critical. I think what you're saying is mm-hmm. correct. I think it's a good assessment, but at the end of the day, I think from that position it's a it's not the you know if, if that was i don't know what the xg for that shot was uh but i think it was surprised quite a few people i don't anticipate I think
1: it was being, 0.29 i think it might have been no
0: point i i wouldn't have even had it that high to be honest really i will yeah. double check
1: that now just while you're going yeah. through
0: it yeah yeah, so, yeah. well why you double check that now yeah um yeah i think in that position it's it's just it's really important that smith rowe gets the shot shot off on goal and on target um and from there, you don't know what happened. Obviously, the keeper makes a decent save. You um, are one hundred percent right. It's zero point zero five. Uh, yeah. I was thinking I
1: was getting confused with what we were looking at earlier with Arsenal shots down the right hand side, which was zero point two nine. So yeah, zero point zero
0: five is yeah. the three for that shot. So to kind of put that in layman's term for people, that's that is based on a, a model of you know ten thousand plus shots. You know that's that that from that position that Smith Rowe hits that ball and all the other things considered, it's got around a 5% chance of leading to a goal on average. Um, so it's actually a lot more difficult than people realise to, to score that opportunity. Now, elite level finishers, you know, the, the best of the best, maybe Mohamed Salah or someone like that. Um, and know I'm not using him. I'm not a Liverpool fan. I just, he's he sadly on so much form, isn't he? Uh, but if you use Salah as an example, maybe even like in the Bamian to use an Arsenal example, they, they probably have a, better prospects of converting that. You know, they can probably exceed that 5% chance because they're mm. elite level finishes. You know, smith still kind of incorporate, incorporating that into his game building upon that. So it's not an easy chance. To, the, the, the spot that you've signalled there uh, in terms of going to the bottom corner, that's probably his best mm. opportunity. But the speed everything's up, and I think it was just important he got a shot on target and ultimately ends up being a, a decent save. And yeah, I don't think much more could have been done there.
1: No, I agree with you. The last point to come on to was kind of the more generic uh, talk about what uh, he could have done with the formation and what we could have seen from from Mikel Arteta with the game. Um, not sure why Xhaka and lacongas forward and back parting is there? We'll move that on. But in regards yeah. to kind of the, the, how he ch- didn't change the structure throughout the match, um, he made three subs, uh, three different points during the games, and yet that formation didn't change. And For me, from from the perspective of of an Arsenal fan watching it, it was incredibly frustrating to see, once again, a back three system like we saw with Chelsea, despite their back three system being slightly different with a 3-4-3 against a 3-5-2 that Brighton used. But... It's that overload in the wide areas that are really causing Arsenal a lot of problems. Mark Correa, in particular, was excellent on the left-hand side and was able to get in behind and, and get one-on-one with Tomiyasu so many times and get past him because he's just more technically better than Tomiyasu. Mm. He's his lower centre of gravity, so we can get round him easier. And Arteta didn't change anything. He made some like-for-like changes. He brought Odegaard off, brought Pepe on, moved Smith-Rowe to 10 and, and put Pepe on the left. He then swapped over Pepe and Saka and then towards the end, changed out uh, Lacazette for, or he brought in Lacazette for Aubameyang. So all of those changes never changed anything about Arsenal's structure. They changed some characteristics about some of the players in the specific positions. But Arsenal was still at a disadvantage because of Brighton's system continually overloading them in the wide areas. So do you think, this is something that's going to be an issue for arteta at arsenal do you is there any evidence which i from my perspective i don't remember there being any evidence of him shifting formations regularly to combat a, a more dominant opposi- opposition in games and could this be kind of a bit of a, a sword that he
0: maybe falls on in the future definitely it's uh, it's something i've written about in the past with arteta um I'd like to see him bring a little bit a little bit more to the table in terms of adjusting the tactics, especially in game. Um brutally honest, the, the main reason from the outside looking in, it feels to me like with Arsenal, if you stop plan A, you don't really have to worry too much about a plan B. Um mm. and you could maybe make a case that three three wins when scoring the opening goal this season versus three defeats when conceding the opening goal it goes in some ways to back that up so far um i think it was an issue last year i mean you look at the formations used you've got almost exclusively so far the four two three one He goes a form of it like a three four three against city and obviously that finishes five nil i don't know yeah. maybe that that burns a little bit. anything, so I won't be uh, open that can of way. am so kind of don't no, know. That,
1: that, that game was just like, I think he realised that City were going to be dominant. We didn't have Gabriel back from injury. I don't think Ben White was fit either. So he played holding and he had Kalasinac in there. Mm. I think with Pablo, no, I don't think Pablo Marie even played. I think Pablo Marie was on the bench and we had holding and Chambers actually at the back. So that that was a really odd I didn't mind going through at the back because I was like, okay, look, you look at that and you go, you're up against City. You know you're going to be under the cosh. Mm. Going to a back three makes a bit of sense, especially considering they're playing a back four. But it was the decisions of the players in that specific formation that made very little sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was almost as if, you know, we finally got to see those a little bit of, okay, something different and adjustments, trying to do something but as you said, the profiles used were, were so wrong that it yeah. ended up being it. And OK, it's City, you know, really bad result. But City can kind of do that, can't he, to anyone yeah. on the day? It just seems that Arsenal happened to be the team on the day. Well, yeah, I guess that's, to summarise, that's, that's probably my issue with Arteta. I think he's... Uh, He's kind of got an ideology in place, hasn't he? Uh, He's from the same school as well. You know, his mentor Guardiola. He's obviously trying not, though, not a carbon copy. He's trying to implement some similar fundamentals, but um, I think he's he's still got to evolve a little bit in that sense. Otherwise, it is gonna it's gonna harm Arsenal and potentially it could because you may be obviously Tom. I'm from the outside looking in, but Mm. it seems to me like a lot of Arsenal fans are still unsure about him. so I feel like he needs to, he needs to do, he needs to evolve fairly quickly. He needs to think about changing things, otherwise that group will probably grow more and more, uh, and it could become mm. quite, it could be in an untenable position, I guess.
1: I think you summed it up perfectly when you said that if you stop Arsenal's plan A there's, there's, there's not really anything else to worry about they, mm. they, they really yeah. lack that ability to change things up and that's why against Spurs I was really happy with the performance because you saw that balance of attacks across both the left and right flanks and through the centre of the pitch as well which showed a little bit of variety in the way that Arsenal were moving the ball the way in which Abamyang would drop in and, and add to the build-up play which he hasn't really done at all and it was worrying how Abamyang in particular just didn't get up for the game against Brian I know it was a cold night with the rain blowing on the <laughs> south coast which is never the best for anyone but it is very characteristic of Bamiang to drop his performance in games like that where it's just not really going for him and we probably didn't make the change early enough but I still think that the biggest crucial error from Arteta was I was fine with the lineup it was the lineup that I I picked prior to kickoff that I wanted to see I wanted to see us maintain the formation we used against Spurs and Lokonga to be the like for like change for Xhaka mm. but I'm not a coach and Even I could see that it wasn't working after a certain amount of time. And you're thinking, if it's not working, you can't just stick with it. This definition of insanity that you go back to. So they had to change it. Arteta didn't change it. And he just made light-for-light decisions, which cost Arsenal possibly two points. If anything, he was saved from losing all three points by some really good defending from the likes of Ben White and Gabriel in the game. We haven't really touched Mm -hmm. upon loads because... We could talk all day about how excellent they were and you can overanalyse maybe the amount of chances that Brighton had. I felt that Arsenal defensively limited Brighton to fairly low chances in in regards to got the likelihood of the chance of those scoring there was only a couple that really stood out for me which was the, the the burn header um from across that came in i think it was in the first half and in the second half the, the one that ramsdale did really well to claw away from, from yeah, Neil Mope. Close, yeah and that was a really bit of goal, good goalkeeping so it's actually weirdly i thought it was ramsdale's worst game in an arsenal shirt from the <laughs> distribution standpoint but that kind of mm-hmm. shows how good he's been since coming in yeah, um,
0: yeah. but yeah any final thoughts gonna- though david Yeah, well, funny enough, I guess it ties into Ramsdale, but I actually think Arsenal's recruitment, um, and this Mm. is a a positive, has been really good uh, for a little while now. It feels like, you know, Ramsdale, I know he, he had some kind of um, tag as being this not very good keeper bit naff. But relegated twice. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> yeah. know, the, the the lazy one as if there isn't so many fantastic players who've been with relegated sides. Um, you know, he, he reminds me an, a little bit of, again, because of these tags, I'm cautious to say, because he, he had a tough, yeah. tough 18 months with either side. Uh, Jordan Pickford, I think he's he, he's got some similarities to him. Um, I think he'll probably one day overtake him to be England's number one as well, in being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, just I think recruitment's been really good. H- young, hungry players uh, who all look to have high ceilings. Um, Seems like the club's maybe avoiding the, the traps of these more high risk investments, you know, like your Pepe's. And mm-hmm. I know Pepe hasn't done too bad in his Arsenal career, but. Because of the money spent and because he didn't have that transformational impact on the team, um, it's it's pretty much looked as a bit of a failure that that signing. and then obviously it's a lot of money to, to pay. Uh, I think had you at Arsenal got him in for you know 10 million perhaps, then you'd be fairly content with with what he'd done so far and what's to come. But, um so I think recruitment's really good. We talked about Arteta and what he needs to do, um, but I suppose we should accept that we've got a really young Arsenal side, um, the youngest yeah. officially average uh, in the Premier League this season, which you know, yeah. I think it's probably been a while, hasn't it, since, that, since Arsenal have had the youngest average age. So that's good. Um, uh, And maybe, you know, all together kind of grow as a group and, and start becoming a more competitive side again in terms mm. of, you know, Champions League places and hopefully more.
1: Yeah, just with with those types of investment, it just means it's going to take more time and and that's always something that Arsenal fans struggle with is being mm-hmm. uh, patient because they've been patient for, for so incredibly long to, to get back to the top. So if it is going to happen, I feel like, as you say there, David, the recruitment that's happened over, the, especially the last kind of 18 to, to 24 months has been so much better than the previous decade. So mm-hmm. that, that shows some real improvement. But a massive thank you, David, for for coming on today and and helping with our breakdown. Tell people where they can find you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find me on uh, at DAHughes underscore Twitter. Um, same on Instagram, although I'm a little bit less active on there. Um, <laughs> well, especially last
1: night when everything just died.
0: So Yeah, yeah. well, definitely last night, yeah. It felt like, uh, you know, everyone was in my world then. But no, I do I do, I do still use it. And obviously, uh, any Arsenal content i I cover will be on uh, Football London as well. So I'll do check Absolutely. out
1: absolutely and you can find out all of our uh, written content as David says they're over on football.london but make sure you are subscribed to the Arsenal way we'll be bringing you these tactical insight and Arsenal analysis videos every single weekend there is a Premier League game none next weekend I'm afraid because it is the dreaded international break Um, but I'm sure there'll be lots for David to break down from maybe an international perspective we'll wait and see see if there's any interesting club performances that we see over the the next couple of weeks or so but as I say please make sure you do subscribe to the channel and uh, yeah let us know what you think in the comments section below but as always keep following us down the Arsenal way